You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm joined by my good friend Gil Martin. He's a writer for the SportsDaily.com and Cheesehead TV, and I'm your host, JJ Leahy. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Everybody, we are here celebrating an accomplishment of Gil's that I don't want to talk about. <laughs> Okay, if you listened to our episode last week, we talked about how we're, we're keeping track of how many points off we are every time on our score predictions, and both of us really started the season out in a big hole because of that fluky Saints game, and uh, since then, I had another major terrible game when I, I outright predicted that the... Packers were going to lose to the Niners. And so I fell even further behind. Um, so listen, I'm going to play the sound clip for you right now of what we said at the end of the episode last week. What's your score prediction for this week? Packers 27, Steelers 17. Uh, I, I have to pick something else because that's actually what I was going to go with. So I'm going to say... <laughs> Great minds thinking. <laughs> I'm going to say 27-13. You know, like I said, you, you took the score I wanted, so I'm not going to adjust it a crazy amount. I'm just going to give a little bit more faith to the Packers' defense, which I think is better than people are giving them credit for. So, of course, the final score was 27-17. to 17. Mr. Gil Martin adds zero points to his score. Remember, lowest uh, score wins, just like in golf. So... I had to fall an additional three points behind. This is some bull honky, I'll tell you that. So, at the end of this episode, I get to go first this week. I'm going to uh, go with my my gut and tell you my true score prediction. And I'm going to kick Gil right in the keister like he so richly deserves. <laughs> you just try. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the Steelers game was interesting. Um Really interesting. And we get to play the Bengals this week, who share a common opponent with us in the Steelers. Bengals play the Steelers, I think, a little bit better than we did. But come on, it's to be expected. It's a division game. And here's here's my just overall thoughts on the Bengals real quick before we get into our opening arguments. Is that the Bengals are a, they're a hard team to really analyze right now. Because they haven't really played any significant competition. Your thoughts, Mr. Martin? I have to agree with that. I mean, you look at who they've played. They've played the Vikings. They've played the Steelers. Yeah, not not looking at a lot of uh, top competition. And yet, you know, three and one is nothing to sneeze at. The, the old expression is you got to win the games that are on your schedule. So considering how long the Bengals have been down and out the three and one start while we don't know how good they are. I think it's safe to say they're better than they were a year ago and that the Packers can't take them lightly. Very fair. Very fair. I hope the Packers are not underestimating the Bengals. I hope that that three and one record makes the Packers respect them and prepare well for them going into this game. We've seen what happens when the Packers don't really show up, but 
We have to start off our episode with opening arguments. So, here to make the case for why the Cincinnati Bengals could beat the the Green Bay Packers, we have Mr. Gil Martin making their case. Take it away, Gil. To me, the the big reason that the Bengals have a chance to win this game is the absence of Jair Alexander. And the Packers will have to find a way to stop Jamar Chase. And that's not going to be so easy if Kevin King has to cover him, if King is even healthy enough, or if you have Eric Stokes, a rookie out there trying to cover him. So uh, the passing game for Cincinnati will probably be able to move the ball and they have home field advantage. And I think that, you know, in a shootout with the Packers defense compromised the way it is, missing probably their two best players on defense in Zadarius Smith and now Jair Alexander, uh, the Bengals have to feel confident that they can put up enough points to win this game. Making the case for the Green Bay Packers against the lowly Cincinnati Bengals, Mr. J.J. Leahy, to take the stand. All right, the Packers had a fluky game week one versus the Saints where they only put up three points and they allowed 38. Clearly, we've seen through four weeks that was an anomaly. The Bengals so far this season have never put up more than 24 points in regulation, and they've had to win two games on game-winning field goals, Uh, which, by the way, were not nearly as magnificent as the one game the Packers won on a field goal at San Francisco. The Packers have allowed 17, 28, and 17 points in the three weeks following the Saints game. Meanwhile, the Bengals in week two actually lost to the Chicago Bears, who we all know are not a good team. They also allowed 24 points to the Vikings, who failed to put up more than one uh, scoring drive last week against the Browns. They allowed 10 points to the Pittsburgh Steelers. A pretty impressive feat, although we saw firsthand that the Steelers offense is not really that potent. And then bizarrely against the Jacksonville Jaguars on Thursday night football, uh, you had a 21 21 game right up until the end Uh, that that defense just looked pretty porous against a Jacksonville offense that has not been able to do much at all. And it seemed like the Bengals uh, offense themselves really just kind of floundered a bit against, again, a terrible defense in Jacksonville. So I'm taking the Packers because of superior talent and just a more cohesive team that, in my opinion, has faced much stiffer competition than the Bengals have so far. All right. Opening arguments put aside. We are going to talk about uh, key matchups to keep an eye on. And I think this week we really have to start with injuries because on both teams, that's a major, major theme. And if you don't have any clarity um, on the injury front, you don't know who these two teams are. So the biggest question, obviously, for the Packers is Jair Alexander. Gil, your prediction, do you think Jair is going to play this week? I do not. I think the Packers will be conservative with him, and they're probably figuring, look, the, the, the main thing the Packers are trying to do right now is avoid the necessity for surgery. It seems to be one of those cases where they, they're looking for second and third opinions to see if they could avoid the surgery, have him miss a few weeks now, but be ready for the second half of the season and hopefully for the playoffs. And 
you know, make sure that they don't lose Jair for the season. So uh, I get the feeling he will not play. There is the possibility he puts on a harness or, or uh, you know, some kind of protective uh, flak jacket or whatever they may be able <laughs> to do. But at the end of the day, I think it would be wiser to rest Jair for a week or two, and then hopefully he recovers enough to be more effective when you need him because the schedule gets tough in about three weeks. I think no question. You're really hoping that the Packers offense will take care of business this week and take a lot of pressure off the defense. Uh, you and I were texting a couple days ago. Oh, scratch that. It was last night. We were texting last night about <laughs> Jair and trying to make our predictions for when he was going to come back. And I think that what we settled on was that ideally you'd like him to come back for the Washington game in three weeks um, so that not that you need him for the Washington game so much, but so that he can kind of get worked back into the defense and get, get back up to speed that he can have a slow week against Washington and be up to speed and healthy for us in the rigorous gauntlet we're about to face against the uh, NFC West and the Chiefs. It's going to be a, a backbreaking part of the schedule, no question. I think this right here, the, this three-game stretch, you got uh, the Bengals, the Bears, and then Washington. Those are the games where you feel the most comfortable being without Jair or without Jair at full strength. <clears throat> Last week, we saw when he went out, Isaac Yadam came in for a bit and was basically pretty terrible. Uh, and then they turned things over to Shamar Jean Charles, who I thought played uh, quite a bit better than Isaac Yadam did. Um, and, and of course we, we can't, uh, can't ignore the fact that we are po quite possibly getting Kevin King back from concussion. He's limited so far in practice this week, but trending in the right direction. If you have Kevin King and Eric Stokes out there, um, not to mention, you know, maybe you get new addition to Rasul Douglas. I count me as quite questionable, uh, or quite skeptical about that one. Um, you can do a lot worse than that. You know, you think back to when we had, uh, Demarius Randall and, and Rollins out there a few years ago. Did you like it? Did you feel good having those guys as your corners? No, but you also didn't feel like, oh, we just don't have a chance of winning these games because of our, our cornerbacks. You can get by on Kevin King and Eric Stokes. You can, but, you know, at, at the same time, the fact that you're so dependent on Kevin King coming back, because I don't want to think about what this secondary would look like if you had the two rookies starting on the boundary in Shamar John Charles and, uh, and, and Stokes. And then you have Chandon Sullivan in the, in the slot uh, against the slot receiver. Uh, I don't know how comfortable I'd be with that trio starting against the Bengals. Cause say what you want about Cincinnati. They do have some quality receivers out there. They have very good wide receivers out there and they're supposed to get T Higgins back this week. Uh, which just is one more mouth to feed there against a pretty depleted Packers secondary. Now, we do still have our safeties out there, and, and I think they're going to be heavily, heavily utilized uh, to try and, and shore up um, the passing defense. No question about it. Let's look elsewhere on the Packers injuries. Uh, Thursday, we found out that Josh Myers is maybe trending in the wrong direction. He didn't participate on Wednesday seemingly with the same finger injury he had last week that didn't keep him out of the game. 
Uh, but now that's that's two days so far this week that he has not practiced and doesn't look good. Uh, the reporters who were at practice, uh, I know Tom Silverstein uh, particularly pointed out that he didn't think Josh Myers looked like a guy who was going to be playing this week. Not something you like to see, but we might get Elton Jenkins back, which would be phenomenal. Um, and that kind of sparked a debate on Twitter that I was surprised by. There were folks advocating for putting Yash Nyman back at left tackle again and kicking Elton Jenkins into center with uh, Myers' absence. I'm not a fan of that idea, but I'm curious what your thoughts are. I would rather have Lucas Patrick move to center. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, to me, that would make more sense. Uh, but to look, Yash and Iman did a, a workmanlike job the last two weeks, but he needed help. And a lot of, lot of help from Tom. A lot of help. And Elton from the coaching Jenkins, staff, they, they totally changed the – uh, the playbook really trimmed the playbook down to take a lot of pressure off the old line. You got the ball coming out really quick. Yash, look, all credit in the world to Yash. I'm not mad at him at all. He did a fantastic job for a left tackle three, but he's your left tackle three for a reason. His grades so far this year, he's only grading out at a 52 overall. Uh, pass blocking is a little bit better at 59. That's still below average, but just barely. And run blocking is at 54. And that's that's with all the help he's getting from uh, Robert Tunyon. Um, I'm super, super happy with the results, but that doesn't mean that I want to keep leaning on this process uh, going forward. Have to agree. And it, it is better to get Jenkins back and have him play the most important position in the offensive line at left tackle and to give your team the flexibility to run more plays out of more formations and uh, open up the offense a little bit, you know, I mean, there are advantages to having to, to reduce the playbook and, and get the ball out faster. But mm-hmm. in the long run, you want to have as many options as possible and having Elton Jenkins at, at left tackle as opposed to center, I think maximizes those options. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well, let's flip it over flip it over to the uh, Bengals side of the ball. Uh because they're missing potentially Joe Mixon, who uh depending on how you want to look at it, um PFF <laughs> can't really keep their story straight because uh on the Bengals PFF Twitter page, they mentioned that uh that uh, Joe Mixon it has been grading out as the number one running back in all of football. And then when you actually go to their website, they have him listed as the number five running back in all of football, but you know what? Potato, potato, that's still pretty good either way. Uh, and if they don't have Mixon uh, in the backfield, this changes the Bengals offense dramatically. He has been the workhorse for that running game. I mean, you look at the numbers. Uh, He has 83 carries. His backup has nine. And that's it for all of their running backs. So out of 92 rushing attempts by running backs through four games, Joe Mixon has 83 of them. Big, big difference. And his absence would hurt the Cincinnati offense a lot. 
I think, uh, you know, we're saying we don't feel comfortable saying that Jair is going to play. I feel about the same level of confidence about Joe Mixon. I don't think he's playing either. He hasn't practiced all week. Um, the Bengals podcasters and writers have been uh, pretty gloom and doom about it, about his chances of playing this week. <clears throat> Without their run game, I think this offense might really struggle. And you look at some interesting trends. By the way, their offensive line, line is banged up as well, but we'll talk about yeah. that in a second. Um, here, here's a really bizarre uh, little factoid about the Bengals offense so far this season. They're really good on first down. Uh you know, better than average on third down and terrible on second down. <laughs> if the Packers can limit them on first down, which is something they've been able to do uh, pretty well, I would say against their opponents so far, second down is almost like a, a wash for, <laughs> for the Bengals. Um, a lot of like really short runs or incomplete passes. They've been taking some deep shots on second down that just, for some reason, aren't connecting. Um, the Packers defense could be in a position if they're doing their job on first down and continuing to uh, take advantage of um, the offensive woes by the Bengals on second down. They could find themselves in some pretty favorable third and long situations this year. And I like those odds. This could possibly be a case where the Packers defensive line really could dictate a lot of this game. Uh, you look at particularly with the Bengals offensive line, um, a lot of their struggles have come in the middle of the line. Their tackles are doing OK, but uh, the interior of that offensive line is a big problem. And Kenny Clark might be a guy who really does a lot of work. And I would just hope that Joe Barry calls a lot of blitzes and manufactures pressure, especially early on to get that defensive line rolling, get him cooking, get some pressure on burrow. You can take advantage of the interior of this offensive line. Uh, looking at the injuries on that offensive line, uh, starting center, Trey Hopkins did not practice all week, uh, which you could say is good um, for the Packers, but also Hopkins is playing pretty terribly. He is an overall grade of 44. He is ranked as the 31st out of 33 centers who have started so far this year. Uh, and then they also they have two uh, backup guards who have not been practicing either. Uh, Xavier. Oh, man. I really should <laughs> practice pronouncing these names before we record, but I'm going to try it. Ready? Yes. Suofilo. Not bad. Very good. That's, that's how I'm going with it. Xavier right. Suofilo, uh, he's got a knee injury, which is also what Trey Hopkins, their starting center, has. Uh, backup guard Dante Smith has an illness, so at least they're thin. Uh, but the the guy that you really can take advantage of, that would be Mr. Jackson Carmen. He is grading out dead last among all uh, offensive guards. Offensive guards, like there's such thing as a defensive guard. Out of all guards, starting guards, uh, he is number 75 out of 75 guards who have started games. And a lot of that comes from his run blocking grade, which is a pitiful 29.7 on the season. His pass Ooh. blocking grade isn't great either. He ranks 51 out of those 75 starting guards. So that's another guy you'd want to really pick on. I think uh, if you if you have uh, a, bring a linebacker on a blitz attacking that right guard, 
ooh, man, that could be that could be the ticket right there. Uh, really overwhelmed Jackson Carmen, who's already been struggling this year. And then maybe you're playing against a backup center, and we don't really know how good their backup center is. So that could be a plus or a minus for the Packers if uh, Trey Hopkins can't play because he's been bad. Yeah, and I look for Kenny Clark to have a very good game and, and uh-huh. maybe Kingsley Kiki as well. You know, Kiki had the big strip sack that was a, a, a key in that Pittsburgh game. And, and if he could continue to emerge, that gives the Packers uh, an extra element. And, and if correct me if I'm wrong, Tyler Lancaster back at practice. Uh, Lancaster is not listed on the injury report, so I'd say all is good there. I think the only guys who were not practicing today were Al- Jair, uh, Josh Myers, uh, and Dennis Kelly. Of course, Mercedes Lewis had a veteran rest day like he always does. And uh, Chauncey Rivers got moved to IR, but he wasn't starting for us anyways. So not a problem for this week. More of a more of a thing to keep an eye on long term if we start to experience injuries at the position and need some depth. You know, I'm not sure about Lancaster as far as whether he's off the COVID list or not. I know Dean Lowry was a full participant in practice. Oh, that's right. He was on the COVID list. I was when you when you said Lancaster, I was like, what was his injury? No, he was on COVID. No, I, I confused it because I know Lowry was a full participant in practice and I confused the two defensive linemen. Well, Lancaster on COVID or active. I mean, you know, what's really the difference? (laughs) Now, now I'm just, I'm just being me. I'm just being mean. All right. Um, who are some matchups, key matchups that we need to take, um, take notice of my big one that I wanted to point out was, uh, Kenny Clark versus the interior of that offensive line. Any key matchups that you have your eye on? Uh, the Packers cornerbacks, trying to, you know, shut down the, the receivers from the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, that, that's the big worry that I have. Uh, Jamar Chase against either Eric Stokes or Kevin King makes me nervous. Tyler Boyd uh, against either one of those guys or against Chandon Sullivan makes me a little bit nervous. So mm-hmm. uh, if the Packers can't get a good pass rush, and Joe Burrow has time to throw, I'm concerned that without Jair Alexander or a compromised or limited Jair Alexander, uh, the Packers are going to have some matchup problems, uh, you know, in, in that aspect in the secondary. Very fair. Somebody else we got to keep an eye on for the Bengals offense that is a bit underrated is tight end CJ Uzoma. And that gives us an opportunity to talk about our linebackers. Of course, the Packers made a big splash move. Acquiring Jalen Smith. Um, I, I I just want to say I'm excited about this. I know Jalen Smith has not been phenomenal the last two years. I know that's a thing, but it just feels good. Like I was telling you before we started recording, I said, I am on board all the time. I'm on board with the Packers business strategy and the fact that they're not really active in free agency. Most of the time I'm fine with it. I agree with it. It's great. Uh, great strategy but man does it is it fun <laughs> when they actually go out and get somebody that you heard of uh and Jalen Smith has not been horrific except at run defense and you look at uh look at the massive leap that Devondre Campbell took when he came to Green Bay started playing in Joe Barry's system it's not out of the question at all that you see a guy 
named Jalen Smith, who has so much more raw talent. Uh, I mean, you know, former first round draft pick that, by the way, the Packers uh, really liked in yes. 2016. They were not going to take him where he was drafted, but uh, they did really like him. And I just would be really interested to see uh, what Jalen Smith can do in this scheme, especially give him a few weeks to kind of get get cooking. Be interesting to see. I, I have to imagine he's going to play against the Bengals. I think I think even without getting him warmed up, he is an immediate upgrade over Oren Burks or Ty Summers. Ty Summers had himself a horrific game against the Steelers. That, yes. One of the worst performances I've ever seen from a defensive player. That was embarrassing. Oren Burks did okay. Oren Burks has been so much better this season than yes. he has ever been. I'm really loving it, but, but I'm out on the time summers experiment. I don't want him on defense <laughs> anymore. I think, I think, uh, barring, let's see, let's check on Chris Barnes status. Uh, he was a full participant all week in practice. So, you know, maybe, maybe Jalen Smith comes out as the third linebacker. Uh, Joe Barry has, um, done some, some three linebacker sets in the past, uh, something he's utilized before. You might see some of that. And where'd my tab go? Here it is. Um, Jalen Smith's major, major attribute this year has been his coverage grade. Uh, mm -hmm. He actually ranks third out of all linebackers in coverage. He has an 82.2, a very, very good grade uh, in coverage. Maybe you see him covering uh, CJ Uzoma. Be nice to see. Um, but even if you don't, <laughs> Devondre Campbell is seventh out of all linebackers in coverage. We've seen how well he's been playing 78.3. Also very good. And the fact that Devondre Campbell, uh, has been so good against the run, uh, makes me feel a lot better about having Jalen Smith out there, uh, with his, uh, pretty terrible run defense grade. Yeah. Devondre Campbell has been a great pickup and I mean, mm -hmm. he struggled in week one, but the whole team struggled in week one. Yes. And since then, I mean, he's got a, a a fumble recovery. He's got an interception. He's got some pressure on the quarterback. He is positionally sound. He's smart. He's calling signals for the defense. Is he a Pro Bowl guy? No. But is he a big upgrade over the caliber of play the Packers have had at the inside linebacker position over the last four years, let's say? Yes, he is. And he's quick enough to do a good job of covering receivers coming out of the backfield, which has killed the Packers in recent years. Absolutely. Uh, here's another matchup for me. Uh, the Packers wide receivers against the Bengals cornerbacks. So uh, their number one cornerback, believe it or not, is Eli Apple. I've never understood why Apple has any kind of a positive reputation anymore as a good player. I think that has finally died off. I, I think, I think this year you maybe even last year, you really didn't hear anybody talking him up as a, as a freak corner, but he did for a while, which was just baffling to me. He's absolutely terrible. Uh, his overall defensive grade, 104 out of 108 quarterbacks coverage grade, 103rd out of 109 quarterbacks. And his run defense grade is the only thing that is not, horrific and it's still considerably below average he has a 50 overall or a, a 50 run defense grade which places him 73rd among all cornerbacks um and then on the opposite side you have a guy that we know quite well mr trey waynes <laughs> former minnesota <laughs> viking that we uh just absolutely bullied over the years not nervous about that at all whether you got 
Randall Cobb or Devontae Adams or even Alan Lazard on Trey Waynes. I'm just not concerned. Uh, he's much better than Eli Apple. But uh, look, I'm not going to say you're much better than Eli Apple, but it's close, Gilmartin. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, look, there, there are some matchups to be had there. Uh, I, I would think. You know, the question that that I would ask if I'm the defensive coordinator of the Cincinnati Bengals, how do I slow down uh, Devontae Adams? And the answer is, I don't think I can. So, yeah, the the that's going to be a tough matchup for them. The Steelers double teamed Devontae all day long. Uh, Let me see if I bookmarked the quote about it. Mm, No, I did. But Devontae had a quote where he was talking about that uh, the Steelers really couldn't have doubled him any more than they did. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and you saw that, you know, Devontae had a quiet day. But look, when you focus all of your uh, defensive weapons on shutting down Devontae, you know who's wide open? Everybody else. Yep. So and the Bengals do not have the the same level of uh, DBs to put on Devontae. Now, the one guy that they do have who's really good out there is Von Bell. Uh, their strong safety. He's quite good. Uh, he's uh, so far graded out as the 11th best safety in football, uh, eighth best in coverage. So that's not awesome, but Devonte has picked on a lot worse guy or a lot better guys than Von Bell in the past. Uh, I think that he is going to be up to the challenge. The one of one of my questions this week is who's going to step up as wide receiver two. Uh, I put a poll out last week before the game and asked that question and not a ton of people said Randall Cobb. I think he came in as like the second, um, option, but just barely ahead of, uh, the third option. Most people thought Alan Lazard was going to benefit the most with MVS out and take over that wide receiver two spot. Randall Cobb had himself, uh, the highest graded game of his career last week. And uh, the big question is, is he going to repeat this week? You know, it wasn't just that he was getting opportunities. He was also doing a ton with those opportunities. Yeah, and I think it's going to vary. You know, we we talked earlier about how with uh, Elton Jenkins out, they had to limit the offense to quicker passes with shorter Mm -hmm. drops. And I think, you know, that limitation set up Randall Cobb more worked in favor of his style of running patterns over the middle, quick from the slot kind of a thing. So I I think it will really vary from week to week as to who the second receiver is going to be until MVS comes back. There will be some games when Randall Cobb is the guy. There'll be some games when Lazard is the guy. And I I think in this conversation, we would have to include – uh, Robert Tunyon will sometimes have better matchups and and even Aaron Jones will sometimes have better matchups in the Packers offense. Uh, I, I think Matt LaFleur is more than capable of of creating mismatches and then exploiting them once yeah. he figures out how those matches are going to work out. Well, let's talk about those last two that you just mentioned, uh, Tunyon and Jones. You know, they kind of have been absent from the receiving game the last couple weeks. And I think a lot of that has to do with how much they have been supplementing the offensive line, uh, which is another reason why, you know, again, uh, not trying to um, uh, pick on Yash Nyman or the the folks who are really happy with him. Um, but 
having Yash as your left tackle going forward, it, it can't be the answer. The Packers are shifting too many resources to this patchwork offensive line to keep Rodgers upright, and they're really limiting the rest of what their offense can do. You got to be able to get Tunyon and Jones more involved in the passing game. You have to be able to park a guy at left tackle and trust that he's going to take care of business on his own for more than just a snap or two. Uh, but even if they do do that, you know, the Bengals linebacking core is nothing to sneeze at. Their best guy is Logan Wilson. He's a, uh, second year, third round pick, uh, overall, uh, pretty good grade. And where he really shines is in coverage. He's the ninth best linebacker in coverage. Uh, I think Aaron Jones could handle him. Uh, Robert Tunyon has been having a slow year so far when he has been involved in the receiving game. Um, not, not super happy with that, but I'll forgive him because of the yeoman's work he's been putting in as uh left tackle, uh, you know, 2.0, uh, Deguara has also really not looked good this year. Um, the, uh, the, the other, the other, uh, linebackers to keep an eye on, uh, they do have Jermaine Pratt who has been playing decently well in coverage so far. I kind of think that's a bit of a fluke. It doesn't really line up with who he's been in the past, but then you also have Akeem Davis Gaither who has always been, uh, well, he, you know, he's another second round player. Uh, but even last year he was still decent in coverage, but he's also across the board playing a lot better, uh, this year than last year in total, the linebacking core for the Bengals is, um, it's, it's quite competent. And a lot of that, doesn't matter so much when you're trying to shut down DJ Reed reader, who has been the really terrifying force on that Bengals defensive line, which is not usually uh, so formidable uh, him and Trey Hendrickson defensive end have really been putting in a lot of good work together. Hendrickson is just absolutely lethal uh, in the pass rush. And then DJ reader, phenomenal run defender and uh, not a bad pass rusher either. Now, the linebacking crew of the Cincinnati Bengals is the strength of their defense right now, and they are fast, and they are aggressive, and the Packers are going to have to think of some ways to maybe use that aggression against them a little bit, get them to bite on some play-action fakes or some double moves, and get some, whether it's uh, Aaron Jones. Or, you know what? I- I'm going to say this. Uh, A.J. A. Dillon does not get enough credit as a receiver. And oh, no. yeah, we say that every week on here and we're going to keep saying it every week because we're going to keep saying it. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, to me, uh, whether it's Tunyon or Jones or Dylan, somebody should be able to get open against those linebackers because I get the feeling the Packers will be able to use their aggression against them and set them up for a couple of important gains at the right time. Offensively, I think I think the key to success for the Packers is going to be you're trotting out yet another new look offensive line, uh, which is, I think, the third one this season. We're hopefully hopefully getting Elton Jenkins back. Uh, pretty likely losing Josh Myers. Maybe the Packers are just being overly cautious. Uh, I'd like to think that's the case. Like, look, we're not going to risk uh, injury throughout the week. We're going to let you rest up and heal up. And then on game day, we are going to lean on you. That's what I'd like to see happen. 
but it, it, it looks like we're trending toward possibly starting Lucas Patrick center. Royce Newman has not been having a good year. He is uh, ranked 71 out of 75 guards and his run blocking grade is mostly to blame for that, which makes sense. You know, those inside uh, inside runs uh, have not looked well this year, which is to be expected with the patchwork offensive line we have. But his pass blocking grade has been a little bit below average as well. I get that he's a rookie. Uh, I'm not mad at him for it, but he does need to play better. It is a point of weakness on this offensive line, and he is going to be lined up directly across DJ Reader. And especially if you don't have Josh Myers at center, if you got Lucas Patrick and Royce Newman next to each other, that could be a liability. You know, we can't we can't pick on the Bengals for having a weak interior and then just gloss over that we uh, really might be in trouble uh, at that spot ourselves. No question about it. And look, maybe even if you get Elton Jenkins back, if you're if you're dealing with Lucas Patrick as your center, maybe you still have to make some adjustments and and keep the releases quicker and uh, just a little, you know, make things a little easier for the offensive line. But look, you go across this line, the only player the last two weeks who had more than four games of starting experience was Billy Turner. And right. we got to give him a lot of credit. We really have to give him a lot of credit for helping to Absolutely. keep this line together. Absolutely. And and his leadership out there has been a big thing as well. Uh, so, uh, you know what? On offense and defense, my key to success for both of them is going to be the trenches. The defensive line for the Packers has to get pressure. It has to keep uh, Joe Burrow uncomfortable. Uh, he plays much better when he has a clean pocket than when he's under pressure. And you can't you can't put all the all the pressure, uh, all, all the all the weight on Kevin King if he's out there and Eric Stokes and Shmarjean Charles and maybe Isaac Yadam. That is just not going to work. You have to get the defense has to get their stops up front, completely shut down the run game, uh, make burrow uncomfortable make him uh throw off schedule and again really on first down the defensive line has to be getting home i'd like to see a lot of blitzing early and often uh to get that bengals offense off kilter and the packers offense is probably going to be the one who needs to win this game for the packers uh that and special teams by the way, uh, giving the Packers offense and defense better field position to work from. And Matt LaFleur has finally commented on uh, the special teams play and the, the blocked uh, field goal. And this is, this is an issue. And here's the good news is that he said that they identified what the problem is on film, which I mean, Look, you and I did that last year, but <laughs> first step is admitting you have a problem. So I'm glad that he cares. I think seeing uh, a touchdown scored off a block kick maybe shouldn't have needed to be what woke the floor up about that. But either way, I'm glad he's taking it seriously. We need better special teams play this week. Special teams has been a killer. I, I wrote an article for Cheesehead TV that came out on Thursday of this week talking about the field goal protection. And, you know, the thing that really rankled me about it is not just that it happened, but the same exact formation had the same exact problem for the second week in a row. And, 
you got to fix it. You can't just let it lie. So yes, the the team recognizing there is a problem, but now they got to do something about it. And special teams has been an issue for this Packers team. Can we conservatively say for five years now? I mean, how long has it been? <laughs> well, I would say probably probably longer than that, but sure. Conservatively, we'll say five years. Um, look, this is usually the part in the show where I let you go ahead and make your score prediction. I'm not going to do that this week because <laughs> I'm going to give my score prediction first. I do think it's going to be a shootout. But I think that the Packers defense is going to play surprisingly well, given just how many guys they're missing. I'm going with 34-24 Packers. What's your score prediction? I I think it'll be 31-27 Packers. So uh, I'm looking at a win. And I'll, I'll take the win any way I can get it with so many guys banged up right now. All righty. Well, you hear, heard it here, folks. Uh, we both are predicting the Packers will win this one. I think we both feel relatively confident about that, even as banged up as they are. But that's it for today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. You can also email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Not